I forget the rest of the words. I'd go over some more of them, so I can't do it. But anyway, if you will, get your Bible and turn with you to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 15 through 23. Now, I've shared with you probably the all since three years since we've been here, a little over three years now. But I love the parables in the Bible. We don't use the parables too often. I mean, we use them in Bible studies and so forth like that and going through things and what have you. But yet, there's a lot of tremendous teaching we can get out of the little parables that we have in the Bible. Because every parable has a miracle, but also every miracle, there's a parable inside of it. And they're just valuable nuggets. And sometimes we just gloss over because we've heard those little stories that you know we call the parables, and we don't pay a whole lot of attention. But I want to look at one today that's sort of a, not a real popular one, I guess you'd say. You might be religious but lost if. We're looking again today at some of the parables. You might be religious today. You might be religious but lost if. Now, the title of this message, I'll be honest with you, reminds me of something. And so I sort of borrowed it from one of our comedians uh, Jeff Foxworthy. If you know anything about Jeff Foxworthy, he's always talking about rednecks. I know I'm looking at a house full of rednecks. <laughs> but here's some things he says about it, and I just I just jot them down. Now, of course, he's got over 500, but I, I like, these are some of the ones I like. You might be a redneck if you ever cut your grass if you ever cut your grass and found a car. You might be a redneck. You might be a redneck if you think the stock market has a barbed wire fence around it. You might be a redneck if there are more than five old McDonald's sacks in your car. Don't answer that one. <laughs> you might be a redneck if you had to remove a toothpick for your wedding pictures. That's probably a lot true. Now, looking at some of y'all, I think that could apply real good. But anyway, that's the message today. But I want to change it a little bit. You might be religious but lost if, and we'll go through that in a few minutes. A company was considering a new pension plan in which the employees would contribute an amount and the company would max that amount. The only stipulation was that the plan required 100% employee participation. Everyone signed on except for old Sam. Now, everybody knows how Sam is, so we just, just that's probably who we're talking about here. Sam's boss and the other employees tried to get Sam to sign up, but he refused. He didn't think the plan would ever pay off. And finally, on the day of the deadline, Sam's boss called him into his office and said, Sam, here's the contract and here's a pen. I want you to sign the paper, and if you don't, you're fired right now. Sam took the pen, signed the paper, handed it back to the boss. His boss said, Sam, would you mind telling me why you didn't sign up earlier? And Sam says, well, sir, nobody ever explained it to me the way you clearly did. Now, that's not this Sam, but it, it probably could, have, could apply. I don't know. But in these verses that we're about to read, Jesus warns us very clearly about the danger of being religious but lost. He sometimes spoke in parables that are hard to understand. But in this text, there's no hidden meaning to what he says. He comes right to the point, and he gets to the point. If you will, stand with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 23. 
And let's read this story together. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? But watch verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come together and read from your word. And, Lord, we thank you so much for this word and how it guides us and directs us and teaches us and just, Lord, meets the every need of our lives through Jesus Christ. And, Lord, sometimes this subject we're talking about today can become a real subject. Lord, I believe there's many Christians across this great nation of ours that are living exactly what Jesus is talking about today. They're living religiously, but they're lost and going to hell. And, Lord, I just ask that you would just let us expound upon this for a few moments and let us truly hear what you're saying through this, not what I'm saying, but what your message is to each and every one of us here today. Go with us over these next few moments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, in these verses, Jesus warns us very clearly about the danger of being religious but lost. He sometimes spoke in parables that were hard to understand. But in this text, there are no hidden meanings. He says it very plainly, very astutely, and he gets right to the point. He says, a good tree will bear good fruit. He didn't say some good trees will bear good fruit. He didn't say some trees will bear fruit. He says a good tree will bear good fruit. Guess who the trees are here this morning? You and I, we're the trees that he's talking about. And I believe that Jesus Christ expects each and every one of us, not only the ones in this room, but across this great vast land of ours that call themselves Christians, to produce good fruit. He said, well, I do my best. Maybe that's not good enough. Did y'all realize, I heard this yesterday, and I've heard it before, I just I forgot about it. Do you realize today that the world's going to end? Have y'all heard that? I mean, I, I heard it yesterday. In fact, I went to get a haircut. I sat in the barber's chair, and this young lady was cutting my hair. And she said, well, what do you think about today and tomorrow? I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, the world's going to end, they say. And I said, well, if they do, are you going to finish my haircut first? <laughs> so, and she said, well, I guess so. And when we started to leave, I said, well, if, if the world does end tomorrow, I says, will you cut my hair on the other side? She said, sure, I'll look you up. So we're, we're covered on that part. But anyway, it just... I've heard that all of my life. Now, I don't know if the world's going to today or not. It may. In fact, I personally hope it does. I told Judy this morning what we should have done is run out yesterday and run up MasterCard as high as we could get it just in case. But we didn't do it. So. But anyway, but it's 
people do that. I think I've shared back in 1988, I remember that one specific. I got a book in the mail from a, a preacher or supposedly a Bible scholar. And he, the name of the book was 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1998. 88 Reasons Why He's Coming in. Oh, God, I forget what the date it was now. 88. Okay, that's what it was, 88. Of course, nothing happened. The next year I got one of the mails was 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 89. So it just, yeah, and so after that, he finally stopped and gave up on it. But anyway, we hear that all the time. People have been talking about it. When's Jesus coming back? And all these kind of things for years and years. But let me assure you one little thing. I don't know when it is. You don't know when it is. Jesus doesn't even know the exact time. But God says Jesus is coming back, and one of these days he's going to come back. It may be today. I don't know. But I do know this. When God said it, he meant it, and it will take place. Again, the title of this message reminds me of Jeff Foxworth. You might be a redneck if. And so that's why we use that title. I just stole it from him, I guess the best way to put it. But Matthew seven fifteen through 23 is not a funny matter. Yeah, those Jeff Farsworthy say then you might be a redneck. They're pretty funny. But this isn't funny. This is serious, what he's talking about. Religion is man's attempt to reach up to God through rituals, through rules, through self-righteousness, where true Christianity is God reaching down to hopeless men and women and offering them a gift of a relationship with him. That's what true relationship. That's what true Christianity is. Now, again, there's a lot of people in the world that call themselves Christians, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian just because you call yourself. You've got to know inside, is it really real in me? Do I remember when God changed my life? Has my life changed since I made that commitment and so forth? And I believe if you're truly a Christian, you'll know. You may not remember this. I do not remember the exact date and the exact time that I was born again. But I remember what happened because it changed me totally. And I remember that taking place. And I remember it like it was yesterday, but I couldn't tell you what date it was to save my life. But I know it happened. And I know there's been something different about me ever since that day. Our English, the, the, the Bible never invites us to be re- religious. Do you know that? There's a lot of talk about religion in the Bible. But our Bible never says you need to be religious. Religion, our English word religion comes from two Latin words, and I'm not a Latin person, so keep this in mind because I'm probably going to booger it real bad. Two Latin words, R-E, which means to repeat, and ligere, I guess it is, L-I-G-E-R-E. I don't know how you pronounce that in English or uh, whatever it is, Latin for that matter, but which means to tie or to bind. We get our word ligament from that same L-I-G-E-R-E. Ligaments tie your muscles to your bones. A religion is something that binds you and ties you down again and again and again. Folks, we don't come here for religion. We come here for Jesus. There's a whole lot of difference. And I know there's a lot of religions out there, and some of them are good. But yet, if religion is what you're chasing, you're missing the mark by way too much. Religion was responsible for all the deaths during the Crusades. 
the Spanish Inquisition, the bloodshed of Northern Ireland, the 9-11 attack on America. And it's the name of the religion that children were slaughtered in the region of Sudan, not seemed like too many years ago. Religion kills, but Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't bring you to church today to learn religion. He brought you here today to learn who Jesus is and can make a difference in your life. You say, well, I've already, I already come to church. That may be the problem right there. You may be coming to church but not coming to Jesus on a separate occasion. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, instead of religion, the Bible teaches that we can have a living relationship with God. There is an eternity of difference between religion and relationship. Are you a victim of religion this morning? Let's examine three ways to know whether you are religious but lost. And there's a whole big difference. The first word picture that Jesus employed was wolves. Did you catch that? Jeff Foxworthy again says, If you think the last words of the national anthem are start your engines, you might be a redneck. But the Bible says, If you act nice around some people, but on the inside you're mean and vicious, you might be religious but lost. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Jesus didn't invent the wolves in sheep's clothing metaphor. It had been around for many centuries before in many cultures. One of Aesop's fables tells us about a crafty wolf who finds the carcass of a lamb Intending to sneak into the flock and snatch his own lamb for dinner, the wolf covers himself with the lamb's wool. But in the fable, the wolf, as the wolf is sneaking toward the flock, he doesn't see the shepherd approaching the flock to kill a lamb for his dinner. In the fading light, the shepherd mistakes the wolf for a lamb and kills it. The fable carries its own meaning. You can figure that out pretty easy. Sheep's in wolf's clothing. Although the picture wasn't new, Jesus applied it in a spiritual sense in this parable. He warned that there are some people who appear to be as sweet and innocent as a lamb, but inwardly they were as ferocious as a wolf. Sounds like a Baptist church, doesn't it? It could be. Jesus criticized religious people who appear to be outwardly good, but were inwardly unclean. He told the religious Pharisees they were like cups that were washed in the outside but dirty on the inside where it really matters. Would you want to pick up a cup and start to drink out of it, coffee, water, whatever it may be, and look inside and it had not been washed in weeks? Of course not. But that's exactly what the, Jesus said these Pharisees were like. He said they were like whitewashed tombs, shiny and white on the outside, but inwardly it was full of rottenness, decay. As in the same time of Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, there were people today who were more 
interesting in appearing a certain way than being a certain way. Over the years, I've known many church members. I started to say Christians, but I'm not sure of that, so I'll say church members. And they come to church on Sunday. I mean, they knew how to dress up. They'd tie their tie right, and they'd wear the right kind of, I mean, just perfect-looking people. Knew the best things to say. Can't even sing songs. I mean, just perfect Christians, we call them. But yet over the years, I've watched some of them, and I cannot begin to tell you how many people I've known over roughly my 30 years of ministry that have totally fallen away from God. I believe my Bible teaches that once you're saved, you'll never fall away. You're there for eternity. You, you're captured, if you will. That doesn't mean we won't get out of God's will. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm talking about people that just totally, totally turn their backs on God. Preachers. Probably if I counted up real quick in my mind, I, at least 10 or 15 preachers I've known that fallen by the wayside because of adultery, because of stealing, because of acts outside the church and they got caught. All kinds of things. These are preacher friends that one time were a minister in the church. It's not just everyday people, folks. It's the ministry, too. We've got to be careful. My greatest fear in the pastor, and I think I've shared with this with you with this before, is that we won't make it to the finish line. I don't want that to happen to my family, Judy and myself. I want to finish the course that God set me on. I want to be there at the finish line. I don't want to allow something to sidetrack me and get me off and ruin my testimony. I don't want that to happen. It's very important that we not only act like Christians, but we are Christians. That makes all the difference in the world. Let's move along. By their fruit, let's back up just a minute. If you claim to be a Jesus follower, then but there's no Jesus fruit in your life, then the Bible says you're probably religious but lost. By their fruit, you will recognize them, the Bible says. Now, either the Bible's lying to us, or that's a true statement. I believe it's a true statement. By their fruits, you will recognize them. Now, I paraphrase that in my terms, but that's, it says the same thing. You don't have to be a botanist to know the reason you can't pick grapes from thorn bushes. It's just not the same kind of plant. That a plant only produces faith after its own nature. Now, Judy and I are not gardeners. We have tried to have gardens and tried to have gardens, and all we got was a weed garden. I mean, it just didn't work. I love fresh vegetables out of the garden. But when the weeds are bigger than the plants, you're not going to get too many tomatoes or potatoes or whatever it is you're growing. And so we finally just gave up. Let's just go to H-E-B and Walmart and buy them. It's easier that way. So that's what we do. In fact, we have a hard time growing plastic plants around our house. But I'm not going to say who's to blame for that, but that's another story. But Anyway, if you claim to be a Jesus follower, but there's no Jesus fruit in your life, you're probably religious but lost. I know that that doesn't sound good to some people, but let me show you what Jesus says about it. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Again, we know that oranges grow on orange trees. 
apples grow on apple trees. You don't have to go up to an orange tree and see if it's got any apples in it because it's not going to have any. And by the same token, we ought to have fruit that shows in our lives. One of the greatest things, and this has happened a couple times in my our ministry, is for people that from years ago came up and said something. We had, we was, I was playing a ball game, and that's been 10 or 12 years ago now, probably 15 years ago. But we was playing a ball game one night, and Judy came on the fence while I was sitting in the dugout playing the game, and she had this young lady with her. And she said, do you remember her? I said, I don't think I've ever seen her in my life. And it turned out to be a young girl was in our first church, South Made Baptist Church up by Sherman, Texas. And she was raised in that church. And she made the comment. She says, y'all don't know how much you touched my life. She says, because of what y'all did at that church, I became a Christian. Now, it wasn't because of what we did, honestly. But we had the privilege of being there and supporting her. Another time, let me tell you this, this, this is sort of more personal here. We were in Fort Worth. This is before Judy's dad died about 10 years ago now. And we were in Fort Worth, and she's got a nephew who's about the same age as my youngest son, and they wanted to do something one night. And I said, well, there's a store, and I can't remember what it was, now Best Buy or something at the time, and said, let's go out there and look at that. I've heard so many things about it. I want to go out there and see it. We were walking down the aisles, and I was just looking at stuff, and the boys were looking at things, and all of a sudden, this young lady from about the wall over here come running to me. No, no. I mean, this young lady was beautiful. <laughs> and I'm thinking, who are you? She grabbed my neck and started hugging me. I, thought, I said, don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. Whatever you do, I don't know who she is. And it come to find out she was a member of that first church we was at. She had, of course, gone to college, graduated college. She was now Miss Arlington, Texas, and she worked there part-time. Scared me to death. I, mean, I lost 10 pounds just worrying what my son's going to tell my wife when I get back. But yet, the same thing. And you know, one of the, great, the greatest, the greatest joy. Every church we've been at, we've been at five different churches, and I've loved every one of them. I wouldn't mind going back to any church we've been at. Not because of anything we did great there, but because God began to change our lives and make a difference. That's what it is. You've got to have some fruit hanging on your life. You've got to see something about you. And if there's no fruit on your life, you might be religious but lost. Jesus said it doesn't matter what a person says. You must examine their fruit, their lifestyle, to determine their true nature. I can say anything. For instance, I could sit here and say, I'm a car. I'm a car. Beep, beep. I'm a car. But just saying it doesn't make me a car. I don't have a car nature on the inside of me. So there's no car exterior on the outside of me. I can say I'm a Christian all I want to, but don't take my word for it. Don't take your word for it. Don't take anybody's word for it. Let's see the fruit in your life. Let's see what backs up your statement. But I don't take my word for it. Look and see if I have a nature of Christ displayed in my life. Now, don't misunderstand. I mess up every day of the week. So if you catch me in one of those probably 100 times a day, you're not going to see the character that needs to be there. But watch it over a period of time. Hopefully I'll get a little better as the days go on. So what is the fruit of Jesus Christ? Follow, what is the fruit of his follower? That's really easy. 
because the fruit of the, of the Jesus life is spelled out in Galatians 5.22. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If those don't describe you, something's wrong with your salvation. Because Jesus says, and by the way, go read that 5.22 of Galatians and you'll see, you have, if you're a child of God, those qualities in you. You may not be letting them come to the top, but you've got them. You are going to be, there's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every one of us, if you're a child of God, has that right now. I believe the moment that you were born again, those that spirit of the fruit came into your life. Now, again, we can subdue them and squash them, but we have it in us. It's part of us, if you're a child of God. These personality traits, you don't have to try to produce or to imitate Jesus. You just have them automatically. Now, do all those shine all the time? Of course not. I'm just like you. I have bad days sometimes. And I get discouraged. And I get down and out. And I just, poor, poor, pitiful me. But I still got them. And if I let them come forth, it will begin to radiate. Jesus, according to John chapter 15, said, We are the branches. Jesus is the vine. Our only job is to abide in Jesus. We don't have to worry about doing everything that God tells us to. How we do that is by abiding in Jesus. Stay firmly connected to Him. As we fully surrender to our personality, to His personality, He produces this good fruit in our lives for others to see. And that's what draws people to us. When we display the characteristics of Jesus and not our characteristics, then I believe God draws people to us. He produces this fruit in our lives for others to see. You say, well, I don't see that. That's because it's not for you to see. But yet, as we meet people and deal with people and talk to people, they begin to see it. That's the kicker right there. Just as a dog can't talk to a person, except in the movies, I guess, because it doesn't have a person nature, a person who is religious but lost can't produce Jesus fruit for the same reason. They don't have a Jesus nature. You probably heard the expression, actions speak louder than words. That's true. But when it comes to being a Jesus follower, fruit speaks louder than words do too. Fruit speaks louder than words when we truly have a Jesus nature. The last word picture Jesus employed was a final exam. And that one just scares me because I was not a good student. I mean, I, I honestly believe my senior year, I didn't even take a book home all year. Of course, my grades showed it, but it <laughs> doesn't matter. I still managed to pass, but I wasn't a good student. I didn't want to study. I didn't want to do this. I'd rather be out in the field playing baseball. That's what I want to do. And I almost didn't get out of high school, at least that year anyway. But, but I made it, so I got through it. The last word picture Jesus employed here was a final exam. Once again, Jeff Foxworthy says, 
If the only necktie you own is being used as a gas cap for your truck, you might be a redneck. But the Bible says, if you're good at religion, religious language and activities, but don't know Jesus, you're certainly religious but lost. Let me say that again. If you're good at religious language and activities, but don't know Jesus, you're certainly religious but lost. Jesus looked in the future until a time when we're, there would be a final exam and said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? These sound like religious people, don't they? I mean, they did miracles. They drove out the demons. They did the right things. Except they were involved in religious activity. In fact, they were so religious, they've even jumped into exotic religions, activities, like trying to cast out demons. Something happened to them. They cast out the demons, they said. But did they really? But Jesus said to them, get away from me. I do not know you, and I've never known you. I think I've shared this story before, but... It's the best example I've ever had with it, and it happened in reality. Some years ago, when we were in the Bonham area, of course, we had a lot of people that went to Dallas to the hospital or McKinney or that area, you know, where the bigger hospitals were. And one day I was down in Dallas, and I was headed back home, and one of my favorite places to eat used to be Pancho's Mexican Buffets. Oh, y'all had them around here too, huh? We had, up in Fort Worth, Dallas, they were everywhere. So, man, I had a place to stop all the time. But it's, I was headed down the one day, and I, I thought, well, I'll stop there and eat because I'm going to come back about noon. I'll get to eat there. So I walked in, and, of course, I was by myself, got my tray, walked out there. There wasn't a seat in the house. And I looked over, and there's one big, I'm a big guy sitting at this table. And he said, you want to sit here? So I'm about through. I said, I guess. I mean, he was huge. Anyway, we sit there and talk for probably 30 minutes. Nice guy and everything else. He got up ready to leave. And when he did, of course, I still work on mine. He got up ready to leave. He says, oh, by the way, he says, I'm Randy White of the Dallas Cowboys. I like to drop my plate in the floor. I mean, he was a, a nice guy. Now, my point is this. You could meet Randy White today, and I know who Randy White is. If I saw him, I'd recognize him again. But I guarantee you, he wouldn't know who I was. Because it wasn't that important in his life to know me. But we had lunch together. We talked together. And I can say, Randy White, I know you. But Randy White would tell you, he has no clue who I am. Isn't that the way some people do Jesus? Oh, yes, I know about Jesus. I know some stories in the Bible. I've heard these stories. I know about the ark. I know about this. But Jesus says, but I don't know you. See, when you meet, make friends with somebody, it's a two-way street. Yeah, you get to know them, but unless they get to know you, they don't know you. And what Jesus is saying says, I hear your words, but I don't see the fruit on your life. You're not one of mine. Watch what happens. John seventeen thirteen says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's the real personality. Look at that verse carefully because 
your eternity is resting on that verse. Did you realize it? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, your eternity rests on that verse. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The Apostle Paul learned this because he wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for me, knowledge of Christ, of Christ Jesus my Lord, that I may gain Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's beautiful. Paul recognized it's not what he can do, it's what Christ can do through me. When you become a real Christian, you don't receive religion. You receive a person. His name is Jesus Christ. It's like when a guy gets married, he doesn't go to his friend and say, Hey, I became a member of the institution of marriage last week. No. You know what he does? Look at this. She's my bride. That's what he does. Look at her. How did I get so lucky? How did I do this? And some of the wives say, I'm not sure myself, but that's, that's another question. But He says, I got married last week, and now I have a wife. And isn't she gorgeous? Thank God she had a moment of mental lapse and didn't understand what I was saying to her. And she said, I do, before I could, she could figure it out. How about some people say something like this? I joined a certain church or religion. Others say, I came to know Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord. What's the difference in them? One of them, Jesus knows back. The others don't. Knowing the facts about the life of Jesus is not the same thing as knowing Jesus. You can read this Bible from cover to cover and you can know about Jesus. Facts about Him. Stories about Him. But that doesn't mean you know Jesus. You can memorize the facts about Jesus and still not know Him personally. You can know that He was born a virgin and even know that He lived a sinless life and died on the cross for sin and was raised from the dead and is coming back one day. You can know all those facts and still not know Jesus Christ. One of my favorite Christian writers, Vance Havner, in one of his books he told a story about a husband that came home from work one afternoon to find that his wife was visibly upset. He said, Honey, what's wrong? She said, this afternoon, a man came to our front door and rang the doorbell. I didn't recognize him, but he was a well-dressed man, so I opened the door. He said, good afternoon, ma'am. Could I ask you a question? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? When he asked me that, I was so flustered, she said, that I shut the door in his face, and I've been thinking about that question all afternoon. Her husband got upset and said, honey, why didn't you tell him that you're a charter member of our church, that you've been teaching a lady Sunday school class for 20 years. You sing in the choir every Sunday. Why didn't you tell him those things? And she thought for a moment, Vance Havner said, and she replied, because that's not what he asked me. He asked me if I knew Jesus. Do you see the point? Let me ask you this morning the same question. Now, I told you a while ago, a young lady told me yesterday that the world's going to end today. Now, I don't know if she believed it was or not. I don't think she did, but that's what people are saying. The world's going to end today. If the world ends today, do you know Jesus, really? Do you know him? 
It's a yes or no question, and only you can answer it. Nobody else can answer it for you. I can look at my family, my boys, my grandkids, and I've got a good idea, but I do not know for sure. You can look at your daughter, son, husband, wife, whatever it may be. There's no way you know. Have you paid attention to Jesus' three warnings? The dangers of being religious but lost. First, he said to watch out for vicious people who appear to be innocent as lambs on the outside. But on the inside, they're waiting to tear you to shreds. Secondly, he said, he's instructing us to judge people by the fruit of their lives rather than the fruit of their lips. But most of all, he issued a personal warning to each one of us. Don't depend on religion to get you to heaven. There's only one way, and that's by knowing Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus today? If you'd like to meet him, we'd love to introduce you to him. Once you meet him, your life will never be the same again. I can promise you that. Once you meet him, your life will change forever, and it'll mostly be good. Yeah, we still mess up. This is not a place of perfect people. If you're looking for a church that has perfect people, you've come to the wrong door. I mean, it just, in fact, I don't see a perfect one out there. But if you're looking for people that know Jesus Christ, I believe you can find it here. Do you know Jesus? Let's stand together this morning. Dear God, we come to close the service. Lord, we just ask you to open our hearts and minds. Lord, I don't know the hearts of the people sitting here today. There may be one of our deacons sitting here that do not know Jesus Christ in a personal way. There may be one of our Sunday school teachers that have taught for years and years, but have been doing it on their own ability and not on Jesus Christ. Lord, let us examine ourselves, just like Paul told us, to examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith and to know for sure, because it makes all the difference in the world, and it also makes all the difference after this world. Lord, you know our hearts. You know our needs. As we stand before you today, examine us to make sure we're in the faith. And if not, let us respond. We'll have our deacons on the side of both, both walls. If you need to talk to them, they'll be glad to talk to you. I'll be glad to talk to you. But don't leave this building without Jesus. It's too costly otherwise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.